Amen. You can be seated. Well, good evening. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. I want to welcome you to our Good Friday service. If you're new to church or, or not a Christian, we're really glad you're here. If you are a Christian, but maybe Good Friday is, is more of a tradition for you or a ritual, you need to know that today has massive implications for all of us in this room. That as we look at the cross of Christ, that it's a place where the wrath of God and the love of God collide. That it's a place where gruesome and glorious intersect. And they do so in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That the sinless God died for sinful man. And we know that that's not the end. We know that he didn't stay dead. But we don't want to miss the depth of the cross. That to really celebrate the glory of resurrection, we need to reflect on the grief of death. That to really understand the glory of resurrection, we need to reflect on the grief of death. And so that's what we're going to do tonight, is reflect on the, the grief of our Savior, our sinless Savior, dying for us on the cross. To do that, we're going to read again John 19, 28 through 30. You can read along with me. It says this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar, a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to its mouth, to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Tonight we're going to hone in on that phrase, it is finished, and we're going to ask two questions. The first question is, what is finished? The second question is, why is it finished? And so we, we come to the first question, what is finished in the cross of Christ? What is Jesus yelling out, it is finished for? And the answer is our sin debt. As we look at the Bible, we see a holy God. Isaiah 57 says this. It says his name is holy. That holiness is the very nature, the very fabric of who God is. And that we are made in his image. But it didn't take too long for us to rebel, to go our own way, and that's called sin. And sin forces a, a separation, a gap, a debt that we owe a holy God. Colossians 2 says that we're dead in trespasses. That we're dead in trespasses, and there's a record of debt that stands against us. That us is you, and that us is me. Maybe some of you have never heard that before. Maybe some of you, you've heard this a lot. Uh, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, there's two responses to what we just talked about. 
There's two responses. There's, there's blindness and then there's brokenness. The first one, there's blindness. You see this throughout history and you see it in a unique way in the cross of Christ. You have government officials, you have religious leaders, you have crowds killing the Son of God. We just read about it in John 19. You have government officials, religious leaders of the day. You have crowds chanting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Maybe you have heard this before, but do you ever look at that and think, how did that happen? How did this happen? I think of that moment when Pilate pleads with the crowd, Barabbas, this criminal, or Jesus, who do you want to kill? And what do they say? Jesus. Do you ever wrestle with attention when you read that, when you watch that? Do you ever have attention well up within you? Even in that specific moment where you say, no, choose Barabbas. Like, how is Jesus the one who is killed? And it's Jesus who made the metal that are now being used as nails to drive through his hands. It's Jesus who thought up the idea of wood. And yet that same wood is now being used to form a cross to hang his body on. Do you ever consider, how does that happen? How is the sinless Son of God being nailed to a cross while crowds cheer, crucify him? How does it happen? They were blind. They were blind. You see it earlier in John 19. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do because they're blind. But it's not just them. We see this in our, our culture today. You see it in senseless murder of individuals of sometimes masses. We just saw this in Belgium. I read today that there was more explosions, more gunfire in Brussels, Belgium today on Good Friday. You see it with the rape and abuse of the vulnerable. You see it with abortion that more than 50 million children since 1973 didn't make it out of the womb. And we look at that, and you should look at that and think, how does this happen? It's blindness. But it's not just for the people of Jesus' day at the cross. It's not just the people in our culture that are far off. It's not just the people on the news or the people in prison. That this applies to you and me. That at one point, this applies to all of us in this room. And it's blindness that in our lies, in our lust, in our pride, in our greed, in our gossip, we are blind too. That 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, In their case, the God of this world, that Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That at one point, your eyes, my eyes were closed 
close to the wickedness of our sin, close to our need for a Savior. And Scripture says we can't open them. That only God can. And so a couple verses later, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That when God opens up our eyes, when God opened up your eyes, whenever that was for you, it was when you were a kid and you trusted in Jesus for the first time. It was when you were in college and you came, became aware of your sin for the first time and, and God opened my eyes. Maybe you even said that. I just, I've never seen my sin like this before. I've never seen my Savior like this before. And you trusted in Christ and you threw up empty hands of faith. Whenever that was for you, when your eyes are opened you begin to see the gruesomeness of sin and the glory of God. But not until then. Before that, the people in Jesus' day, how did they crucify the Son of God? How does this happen? Because they were blind. How do the people in our culture do what they do? It's because they're blind. How do we do what we do? It's because at one point, you and I were blind. But when God opened up our eyes, and we see sin, and we see our Savior, it's then and only then when we can have the second response, which is brokenness. Brokenness, where we recognize our need and we say, I need help. And not just a generic, like, I need help from the man upstairs. No, I need help. I need a Savior. I need Jesus Christ. Have you ever been to that place of brokenness where you understood your grave, grave need for a Savior? If your eyes have been opened, you will see the wickedness of your sin. You will mourn over it and you will look and see Jesus and be desperate for him. So there's two responses to the holiness of God, to the sin of man, it's blindness or brokenness. Where are you this, this evening? Where are you tonight? If you're not at a place of brokenness, it may sound strange, but, but I pray that you would get there tonight. That tonight would rejuvenate, refresh, re, re-inspire your need for Jesus Christ. That as we head towards Easter and the resurrection, that it wouldn't just be a day of pastels and candies and hats. That it would be a day where we celebrate victoriously over sin because of what he's accomplished. Because we see our need, because we're broken. And so what is finished? It's our sin debt. The second question, why is it finished? Why is it finished? It's sufficient payment. Then when Jesus says that phrase, it is finished, it's more than just the pain. It's more than just the moment. It's a battle. It's a war against sin. That Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. And that Jesus is the only perfect payment that would suffice. 
Ephesians 2 says it's a free gift, but it was at a high cost to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. It means Jesus was made to be sin for you in our place. Galatians 3 says that Jesus was made a curse on our behalf. It was at a high cost to Jesus. But it was sufficient payment through ultimate pain. The crucifixion was one of the most painful forms of death the world has ever known. The word excruciating, maybe you use that word sometimes to describe an intense pain. That word is derived from this phrase, out of the cross. Excruciating pain, it's out of the cross. That pain is defined by the cross. But it's through that severe pain that Jesus makes sufficient payment. Do you see that? It's through that severe pain, torture, beating, death, that he makes sufficient payment. Romans 5 says it. It says, we have now been justified, made right by his blood. Much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. Listen, I don't know where you come from. I don't know your background. But you need to know that good works are good. Good works are good, but they don't pay in the economy of God. That morality is a good thing. That religion is a good thing. That philanthropy is a good thing. These are all good things, but they are not sufficient payments in the economy of God. They can't justify you before a holy God. They can't. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you are a moral person. I'm glad that you're a philanthropist. I'm glad that you do things in the city. I'm glad that you serve. But you need to know that all of those are insufficient payments in the economy of God. That there's only one that is sufficient, and it's Jesus Christ. My kids will be uh, fighting from time to, not, time to time. I know that's hard for you to believe. But my older kids specifically um, will be fighting, and, and when that happens, we call them in. We call them in towards us, and, and we try to get to the bottom of what happened. So who, who took someone's toy? Or who said something to someone else? Or who did something to someone else? And we'll try to get to the bottom of it. And honestly, whether we get to the bottom of it or not, because we don't always, we have them hug it out at the end. We make them hug. It's a little free parenting advice for you. For 20 seconds, we make them hug. And we count it down. We say 20. Squeeze tighter. 19. Put your, put your arms back around them. 18, 17, and we counted all the way down. And by the end of it, they're always laughing and playing together again. Most of the time. Not every time. Listen, that solution, while it works for my kids, unfortunately it doesn't work for sin 
against a holy God. That there is a debt that you and I have incurred that we are hopeless to pay. Did you know that? That our debt of sin before a holy God, you are hopeless to pay that. That all of your sins, that the ones you remember, the ones you've forgotten, the ones you try to forget, you can't just hug it out. You can't just put a smile on it. You're hopeless to pay that debt. The only sufficient payment is Jesus Christ and his atoning blood on the cross for you and for me. Why is it finished? Because Jesus, the righteous, died for the unrighteous, 1 Peter 3. Because he was the perfect, sinless son of God, the savior of mankind who died for sinners. It was a sufficient payment done once for all. Nothing else would suffice. So listen, maybe you're new to this. Maybe you came, maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you've been doing this for a long time and you just think that's what you do on Friday. You come to a a church but you've never quite understood why it's Good Friday. This is why. Because if you have placed your faith in Jesus, it is finished. It's finished. And so your bitterness toward a family member, it's finished. Maybe abortion for you at some point in your life, it's finished. Sex outside of marriage, it's finished. Your lust, your greed, your lies, your pride, your gossip, it's all finished because of Jesus' death on the cross. That there's no more separation. There's no more gap. That it all is finished through the cross of Christ. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ, that should take a weight off your shoulders. You should be breathing deeper right now. You should be saying amen right now. At least nod your head. (laughs) Because listen, it is finished. All of it. The sin you remember, the sin you've forgotten, the sin you want to forget. It's all finished on the cross. That we tonight, if you know Jesus, this is, this is Good Friday. This is something to reflect on, to rest in, to remember every day. Because I know a lot of you believe this. Like maybe some of you are listening and you're thinking, yeah, Tim, I've heard this at last year's Good Friday service. I've read this. I grew up in the church. I got a T-shirt with this printed on it. But I would guess if you were to be transparent for a moment, and Good Friday's a good time to do that, by the way. If you were just to be transparent for a moment, you might say, but I'm not walking in this kind of rest. I'm not walking in the rest, in the finished work of Christ. Maybe you would say that tonight. 
Well, you need to know that in a few days on Sunday, we're going to celebrate Easter. We're going to celebrate, just in case you're, you're not convinced, you're not walking in it right now, we're going to celebrate that Jesus proved that it was finished through the resurrection, that he left no shadow of doubt, that he came back to life. We're going to celebrate through baptism that if you've never identified as a, a follower of Jesus, we're going to celebrate as you go down in the water to celebrate that it is finished, that all of your sin, past, present, and future, it's finished, that you come back up and you walk in newness of life, that we celebrate that on Easter. But listen, before we move to the celebration of Easter, before we move to the celebration of resurrection, we need to sit in, we need to savor the grief of death. Because by it, your sin, my sin, is paid in full, and only by it. And so listen, if that's you tonight, if you would just honestly say, I'm not resting in the finished work of Christ. I know what to say. I know the jargon, but I'm not resting in the finished work of Christ. There's still things that I'm holding on to, and there's still things that are hanging on to me, and they won't let go. And so there's sins, and there's cycles of sins. There's lust that I know is not going to fulfill me, but I can't let it go. I just have a loose grip on it. There's greed in my career and success and money. That I know, especially on a night like this, I, I know that doesn't suffice. I know that's not where my hope lies. But, but tonight, if you were just honest for a moment, you would say, it's still got a, a grip on me. It's still holding me. I'm still holding on to it, and I'm not resting in. When Jesus says, it is finished, maybe he was exaggerating. Maybe that was just for the dramatics. And maybe that's not something real that you and I can walk in and rest in. If that's you tonight, and I would guess it's some of you. Maybe it's some of you this week. I want to do something tonight where we intentionally rest in and remember the finished work of Christ. And so I want to take a moment um, Dana's going to come back up, and I just want you to bow your heads. Just bow your heads right where you are in silence. Bow your heads. Kids, you guys can do this too. Just everybody in here, I want you to bow your head in silence right where you are. As much as Jesus' work is finished on the cross, you will never, listen, you will never completely rest until you completely surrender. You'll never completely rest until you completely surrender. And so I want to take a moment where you do just that, where you think through those sins in your life that if you're honest, you say, Tim, yeah, I've placed my faith in Jesus, but these things are still there. They're not finished. They're still there. They're still ongoing. That whatever those things are, I want you to take a moment to consider what isn't finished in your life. 
What are you still holding on to? What are you still wrestling with? What are the lies that you are believing? What is the, the anger, the source of that anger, the bitterness, the source of that bitterness? What is that that's gripping you right now? What is that lust that's holding you captive? What is that pride that's consuming you? What do you need? What do you need? Just between you and God. Don't think about anybody else. What do you need on this Good Friday as we celebrate, as we reflect on the finished work of Christ? What do you still need to surrender to him so that you can rest in his finished work? I'm going to give you a few moments to do that now. So keep your head bowed and you do that. You spend time with God. Dana's going to sing this song over us while we do that. And then I'll come back up and pray. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for tonight. I thank you that it's not a fountain of good works. I thank you it's not a fountain of religion. It's not a fountain of morality that merely covers our sin for a time. But that it is a fountain of your blood shed for us, and that we get to, through that sacrifice, we get to have our sins, past, present, future, plunged beneath that flood. God, I pray that imagery, that visual would sink into the depths of our heart, and that we would not leave tonight without experiencing the rest that comes from that sweet phrase, it is finished. That we would walk in that. That we would rest in that. That we would remember that. That we would reflect on that. That we would go home and we would read the story again. Until we grasp it. Until we rest in the finished work of Christ. God, I pray that over these men and women tonight as we prepare for Easter and the celebration that it will be of your resurrection, that you proved that it is finished, that we would prepare our hearts, we would prepare our minds as we rest in your work on the cross. It's in the name of Jesus we pray that.